0: The, you kind of like this guy, but when you can't decide between the filet fish <laughs> um, or the Big Mac, and he says... I'll get you both. Thank you. You definitely <laughs> yeah, like this it. guy meal. Get it at McDonald's when you get two of your faves for just six bucks. Limited time only. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price.
1: Long ago, in a time of darkness and tyranny, there was an evil king who threatened the land and its people. The only hope was an incredible alliance between a man of honor and a creature of legend. Dragonheart is a
0: 1996 fantasy film directed by Rob Cohen, starring Dennis Quaid, David Thulis, dina meyer and starring the voice of the incomparable sean connery uh jim the the connections the game of thrones here obvious Uh, dragons Dragons. (laughs) it's right there in the title yeah you can't you can't and hearts right dragons and and people in game of thrones have hearts yeah and and uh, daenerys ate a whole one in his first season (laughs) one so horse hearts Unlike Reign of Fire that likes to bury its Game of Thrones connection under the lead, uh, it wears it front and center. What Talk about your history of Dragonheart. What do you think of it, et cetera, et cetera.
1: I can't remember ever actually having seen this movie, but you know, you I feel like I have. it's in the theater? Uh, no, definitely not in the theater. Wow, okay. um, if, if I have seen it, it's on TV, but I almost feel like this is one of those sort of osmosis 90s movies mm, for me. Like right. I never caught... All of it. I caught clips and my friends talked about it and I just sort of feel like I have a shared experience of this movie, even Mm -hmm. though I've never seen it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's kind of where I came into this movie uh, from. And I watched it the first time for the live watch and I thought, man, this is an awful movie. Mm -hmm. I really hate this movie. And then on my second watch, I'm thinking, no, I don't hate this movie. And it's not an awful movie. It's kind of just like a 90s mid-budget movie. Yeah, and you know, at
0: some points, some of it pretty good, but at some points, the quality just inexplicably falls through the floor.
1: Yeah, and it, like it's sort of miscast, and yeah. like I, it, it, the tone doesn't quite hit right. But that's kind of nineties mid-budget movies in a nutshell, isn't right. it? <laughs> yeah. Like unless you were doing really stellar work, which it's funny because they they Amazon wanted us to roll directly from that into Jurassic Park, uh-huh. which is a stellar nineties movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unless you're doing those kind of big budget films with amazing directors, then this is kind of what you get. And I don't think it's awful. I think it's mediocre.
0: Yeah, and I'm kind of of the same opinion. Um, it's a fun kind of 90s movie, and it has a lot of those fun, like, this is has a lot in its DNA in common with, like, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, um, and some of the other, you know medieval misadventures of the the late 80s and 90s but i started reading more about the making this film and i started feeling bad because i feel like the person who wrote this uh this charles pogue character um really had this idea of making like a modern day classic fairy tale in the vein of like a princess bride something that all ages could enjoy unironically it would teach like some positive morals and it would actually have like a strong narrative arc for the hero to go through and they hired this Rob Cohen guy to direct it, and he just went Guy Ferrari on some of the aspects of this 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 project. And they, like you said, miscasting the the guy that um, they wanted to attach to this project was um, Liam, Nees- Liam Neeson. Yeah, and I think about what, and nothing against Dennis Quaid because I like Dennis Quaid as an actor, mm-hmm. but. I when I when when I when, as soon as I heard that I'm like holy shit the character of Bowen would be twice as good just putting Liam Neeson in there because he's not struggling with an accent he's not struggling with this weird <laughs> gruff Batman voice he's just believably yeah. this this knight of integrity and honor. Uh-huh. Um and I just feel like when I see things like that and, and we'll talk about this later in the podcast where I see things where, you know, it's not like a massive misstep, although there are one or two scenes like that. But you think of like a tweak here and there and this could have been like a, a, a classic movie and uh, it wasn't. So uh, if you're not familiar, if you're like Jim and you just kind of are vaguely aware of Dragonheart, this was this movie came out in 1996 and it's about a knight who is one of the last to hold the old Arthurian code of chivalry and, and honor. And he's trying to instill this into a young boy prince, a very uh, a, a young Prince Joffrey type. And remember the old code. Then you'll be a greater king than your father. Um, because his father's a real shit. And the son is 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 wounded in this peasant battle that his father is fighting and Bowen the knight and, and his mother, the queen, who has great respect for the ancient ways and the weird quasi dragon religion they have in this this universe. Uh take the boy to be saved by a, by dragon magic. Um the dragon infuses half of his dragon heart with the humans in some magical process that sustains the boy's life, but then the boy turns into a real shitter and he doubles down on all of yeah. his his father's policies engages in some slavery some torture some some mayhem attempted rape uh and the those are the stakes those are the stakes and who's going to win is it going to be uh the knights uh and his old code backed by dragon magic and the last noble living dragon on earth or is it going to be the shitter King? Uh, spoiler alert, in real life, the Shitter Kings won. We have no more dragons. We have no more men of honor. Uh, we're 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 live we're living in in uh, these modern times where those concepts are laughable and silly. Um, so we know how it ended, but this is a reimagining. Like if we still had cool dragons that sounded like Sean
1: Connery. Okay, deep dive incoming. All right, let's let's start with the themes of this film because I think like the the central one is this idea of. Like you said, the old code versus essentially people without honor, social which, Darwinism. Yeah, they're they're saying all modern people have no honor. There's there's nothing good left in this world. Yeah, uh, everything that was good ever that ever existed came from our past, mm-hmm. and we have no hope. Mm-hmm. And somehow this this old ancient being, this dragon, is going to give us hope back, right? Uh, I, I reject. On the face of it, this entire assertion. Sure, sure. That that anything was ever better in the past. Nothing has ever been better than it is right now, and nothing will ever be better than it is in the future. Uh So, like, the idea that somehow these noble men existed and weren't playing on their own terms Uh is, in my mind, completely ridiculous. Mm. And the only reason that people think that is because they were so fucking busy surviving At the time, they didn't have time to deal with the injustices and the harsh cruelties of of the societies that existed then to actually give enough of a fuck to be, or to have time to do anything about it. Well, especially because, like, I do think there's moments in time where things are measurably worse,
0: Um, like mid-40s Germany. uh, Bad place. Uh Uh-huh. But, yeah, like, when you look at, like, like generational time spans, and that's what this movie is proclaiming, that there was... um, There was this period of time where just gradually centuries long descent into barbarism and bullshit. Yeah. Um. When you know, like, that's the other thing is also King Arthur's not real history. Uh, we could, we could, we could, we could, we could tear apart this this film's premise. But so it's so it does it work on a fairy
1: tale logic or it seems like uh, yeah I, I mean I think so if you if you if you ignore you know the the. More disturbing parts of of this film's message, okay, uh, or or the false parts of it. You just then, want to yeah. argue for general uh,
0: appreciation for modernity, sure, which which I I wholeheartedly support.
1: Uh, then yeah, I, I think it holds together. Um, on first watch, I was very confused because we were cracking jokes over it, but mm-hmm. second watch, eh, yeah, I didn't have so much of a problem with it. And I think the the shame of it is, like you mentioned, this movie got bastardized in the creation uh, right. process, and whatever you know cohesive storyline and and thematic through lines that the original writer had developed Mm -hmm. in that script i feel got minimized in favor of doing things that were crowd pleasers Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's a real damn shame because i think like a good portion of this movie holds up and it's the silly stuff that's interjected by this new directive force uh that kind of brings the whole movie down
0: yeah and i feel like the soundtrack is almost like a guide to that um like i think this has got when the movie gives a shit a pretty damn fine soundtrack Mm -hmm. uh very james hornerian uh lord of the rings stirring epic you know lots of horns and uh rolling drums and whatnot and then you get into some parts where the movie is trying to be like, like provide comic relief and it turns into this uh jaunty heist like uh i don't know children's television show music mm-hmm. and it's it's like almost like you can tell that it feels like that this stuff was forced on it by an outside like like this this is this is parts of some other person's vision intruding on the thing and the movie itself resents it yeah like uh the performances aren't as good um, uh, there's uh the, the the music isn't as good, the, the dialogue and writing and all that stuff. Anytime the movie tries to go into silly gear, um, mm-hmm. it's not great. And watching like Jason Isaacs trying to be silly early on in his his career, um, if you don't recognize his name, uh, Jason Isaac was is the latest captain of the Star Trek Discovery from mm-hmm. season one, I guess. Uh, and he also is notably uh, the the patriarch of the Malfoy family in uh, Harry Potter. Um, yeah, I
1: struggled to come up with what I had seen him in while we were he's, watching. He's this. bloody
0: Bannon and the Patriot too, the old Mel Gibson. Yeah, no, he's a lot. Yeah. I've seen him in a lot of movies, but he's also he's always this like kind of severe, imperious character, yeah. and here he's kind of a buffoon. And boy, he does not wear that skin uh, well. A road tax, King Arnold. Mm-hmm. A road tax. I mean, they are your roads after all. People really ought to pay
1: for the
0: privilege of losing them. And those that can't pay, of course, we'll have to work it off. Ingenious, Felton. Only you could keep such a good brain under such a bad hat. But no, I, I, I forget where I was even
1: going with... with uh, well, one of the prime examples of this movie being... Oh, the tone. Uh, the tone problems. Uh, yeah. Being completely screwed up. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of stuff with the tone. Um, I was going to kind of take it to the, the general vibe that they were going for. Um in the original script was kind of one that was more serious and one that found Bowen over the course of his scams with this dragon feeling more and more guilty about what he's doing and how the new creative crew that took this over completely undermined that by making some small changes that were pointed out to them as being crucially stupid changes that make zero sense in context. And, he, th- this guy simply didn't care yeah uh well, the prime example of that being this river town uh river village whatever you want to call it uh-huh. with swamp town all of these i think pigs. river is generous it's river a swamp is town. generous uh but but it has all these pigs walking around in it right yeah. and when i look watch this for the first time i'm thinking okay when they do this turn and they see this dragon down and they're like meat 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 I'm thinking this is not the first time these people have tasted meat. There's meat all around. Yeah, there are there are rotund,
0: <laughs> rotund pigs. Literally 10 pigs deep for deep meat for every one person. Yeah.
1: yeah. And uh, maybe they're the king's pigs, but if you're starving, if you're choosing between cannibalism, which is and where and they, that's where they go by the end of this scene. Right. And, and so I'm thinking is this really your your idea of meat here? Doesn't make any sense. And apparently these pigs weren't originally in the script. They they weren't meant to be there. And when they were put into the film, uh, this Pope guy says... Look, this doesn't fucking make any sense. Right. These people are yelling about meat. They're starving. They're turning to cannibalism at the end right. of this scene, right. and they have readily available meat all around them. What well, are we doing here? And they, and and they, the guy just said, eh, "Fuck it, I don't care."
0: And they're barely making the point. Like, they, there's a single throwaway line where Sean Connery's dragon Draco, as he f- springs into flights, ponders, "When you squeeze the nobility, it's the peasants who feel the pinch." Like, are you really making things harder for their, the 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 shitty king or his people? People and but like they were going to originally the script show you that as he works yeah. his way from village to village these set pieces they That's get poorer supposed and to be... poorer and the dragon is kind of like testing him and Bowen is you, you find his you know conscious being pricked yeah. leading up to this the this big set piece at the starving village and they completely undercut the the themes they're trying to build there of like you know what does the old code mean the old code means shitting on the the brutal king at the expense of his people mm-hmm. then but they they come they completely lose that plot they and do. Even the one point they're making as a gag that these these people are going to be angry and want to eat the dragon slayer if they can't eat the dragon is undercut by the plethora of fucking pigs. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah, the the movie becomes a mess when you start interjecting things that don't belong there. Mm-mm. Uh, and, and to your point, you know, about the tone, I felt like the tone was mismatched through most of the film. Uh, anytime they go extremely silly, like you know this this road toll thing i don't i don't even really know why the road toll thing needed to be there did we not know that the king is evil enough right uh when he's enslaving people to build his towers do do we really need the road tax as the final cherry on that cake yeah like I, what the fuck and
0: maybe you could even make that if you do it better and you have someone that actually is kind of that scheming like i just don't buy it from from uh this this guy i don't buy for i don't think lucius malfoy fits the like, oh, someone's going to throw a ridiculous suggestion as something that would be so far over the top that no one would ever seriously consider it, and that actually is his springboard for a fucking a solid idea. It's so fucking forced and weird and and not, and not done particularly well. Um, the other thing I think is crucially miscast is David Thewlis, who... I'm not going to hate on David Thewlis because like his it, work yeah. on the last season of Fargo mm. is the most incredible act of villainy, and if he had brought mm. that to the table in this performance it would be a whole other deal because another thing is i i think this um this poe guy i forget who he wanted to cast but as somebody more like calculating and steady and like um certainly ruthless and cruel and callous but like more of a darth vader uh uh, lawful evil than this guy who's a chaotic evil and you get this gangly oddly constructed um i like Never in a million years would I buy him fighting Dennis Quaid. If you Uh put Liam Neeson on the other Uh end of that sword, it would be like the most egregious mismatch since like the climax of the matrix or or not the matrix movie climax of uh, commando. Right. Bennett versus matrix. Like, you know, you got Arnold Schwarzenegger, a literal Greek God versus a guy like a 45 year old softball coach. (laughs) And this is the fight. This is the climax of the (laughs) fucking film. Uh (laughs) so that's what you got and and this like david is good he's very young he's not seasoned he's gangly he's got this manic weird uh you know chaos demon energy and just it's it is a counterpoint to dennis quaid's the old code but it just feels silly and goofy and every single time they're in a sword fight it's like they also so this guy trained him he should be kind of roughly equal he's a lot younger but like the first time they fight uh bowen just fucking hands this guy his ass until he gets some kind of emotional uh uh advantage over him. i, I don't know i mm-hmm. th- that's just another problem with the casting of the film uh can we talk about some praiseworthy casting okay sure i thought dina meyer was really good and i'm kind of surprised between this and starship troopers she didn't have more of an impactful career i know she's done yeah. some some interesting work but if you look through imdb the last 15 years is just a big graveyard of yikes like like uh uh science sci-fi original kind of level yikes uh, Uh, so much so that
1: she's back to doing starship troopers sequels Mm. in 2017 which is a bad sign
0: yeah and they're not even direct to video they're not even direct on demand they're just direct to pirate bay i
1: think they're just like (laughs) direct to the director's film collection yeah he's he's spring in for a six hundred dollar camera it's and, never gonna make it off his hard drive yeah two days of shooting and then he's just like yeah that's my movie that's just um, for me
0: but no she's like really plucky and and, and winsome and uh, she's also got this kind of sturdiness to her so she's when she starts having to swing around the swords and axes in the third act of the film um I, I i never at any point thought oh this is kind of fucking ridiculous um i really liked i really liked
1: what she's bringing to the table no i'm with you and and i one of the most baffling things about this movie is what they do to her hair because <laughs> Dina Meyer has amazing hair. Yes, she does. And they cover it up with i uh, some I, like I don't know if it's it's meant to fit her better into the times, but it's basically a haystack that they put on her head and spray paint red. Uh the Are you w- saying she's wearing a wig? Oh, yes. When she wasn't wearing 5 pounds of shit. <laughs> yeah right uh she's definitely wearing a wig and it's it's one of those wigs where sometimes it looks almost passable but then other scenes it's my god look at that wig
0: well and I think that's the one maybe missed up of the original script is that Pogod re- wrote um these characters bowen and and uh uh Dina Meyer's character I can't remember her name the village cara, cara. the vid- cara, the, vid- the village r- rebel I was falling in love yeah and I'm like I didn't see any hints of that in the original script. And the way it was set up where you've got this, you know, already old passes prime knight observing this battle where there's this girl and maybe she's 13 and 12 years late. I just felt like also, I don't know. It is a Sean Connery movie. Uh, I've seen him. uh, I've seen him dick down a very young Catherine Zeta-Jones and no one batted an eye. So maybe, maybe it's, it's par for the course. I'm just thinking that like, I felt like that would have been a misstep because I don't think this is this isn't about Bowen's dick and his lust and his love life. Mm-hmm. It's about validating a cause that you've devoted your whole life in and you've become so disillusioned that you thought nothing you've lost yourself. You've you've lost yourself where revenge is more important than chivalry and honor. Like grind like if, if other people are ground to dust because of it. I, I anytime you've had that
1: kind of thing, like a romance into it is feels meh it feels like a distraction from that. Well, yeah, I mean that's I, I... I mostly agree with that. I, th- I think, like, the movie is trying to get to a place, and I don't know that it su- succeeds, but mm-hmm. where she's falling in love with the man who he becomes at the end, the man who he was at the beginning. Uh, the, essentially, the, what I think is the double meaning of this film's title, which is Dragon Heart. I think he has the heart of a dragon. He has a metaphorical sense, heart of a yeah, dragon. Yeah, like, she's falling in love with his dragon heart, not his 45-year-old coach uh, softball no. coach body no grant <laughs> and i don't want to take anything away from dennis Quaid. Dennis he's a very shape. attractive man yeah um, but, but he is much older than her i assume uh and it's but it's like i think the
0: important of the the importance of the idea is people following him as like and and choosing his way over the the way of the land that's going the way of greed yeah, yeah. and and indifference and all that like um, him being it like, like falling in love with that is, is, is fine. But like the physical, I don't know. since the, it's not in the movie and I feel like the movie, yeah. uh, doesn't miss a beat without it. Honestly, I thought, uh, Draco and, uh, Cara had better chemistry than Boa and Cara. <laughs> uh, yeah, Dennis Quaid never sang to her. That's true. That's true. Uh, Sean Connery. I actually think he did. Pr- he was just a massive fucking star in this era. Yeah. It seems weird. Cause he's kind of disappeared off the face of the earth for 10, the last 10 years um but he was a massive star and this is a performance is kind of begging to phone it in and he doesn't seem like he's doing that um like everything you needed him to do in this movie he's funny he's funny as funny as the scene ever requires him to be he's as commanding and threatening as he needs to be he's as um you know persuasive and smooth as he needs to be it's really like he's even like
1: someone got sean connery to stick like a fork in his mouth or <laughs> something I, I was thinking okay so they they had like a 20 something million dollar budget right sean connery must have been a big chunk of that sure. how much did they pay the intern that had to hold his tongue right. while he was talking right. in that scene
0: you know, what is like this I, uh, <laughs> what do you expect
1: with old knights rocking between my walls i mean i this scene Oh, my God. Okay, let's finish talking about Sean Connery, and then I yeah. want to talk about this I'm, fucking tongue ride that Dennis Quaid gets for a half hour in this I'm movie. I'm pretty much done talking with Sean
0: Connery. We can get to the tongue ride. Let's
1: talk about the tongue ride. Because like,
0: this is one of the things of humor that I think kind of mostly
1: works, like the idea of this knight being stuck the in this dragon's it, yeah. mouth
0: and Sean Connery rolling, rolling something. It's so
1: absurd, though. Yeah. It is so fucking absurd to see a dragon voiced by Sean Connery waggling its tongue up and down as it tries to negotiate <laughs> with right. this fucking dragon slayer who's riding his its tongue, tongue right like a like a horse wedge between the his fucking legs ah, right man i don't know of the absurd scenes in this entire movie this is the one that maybe works for me because it's the most absurd well and it works when you find out that draco is not wanting to kill this knight i think uh-huh. you
0: understand that draco knows exactly who this guy is the whole time and he sees yeah. like i can that like like i need to get into dragon heaven I really pushed all my chips in Dragon Heaven forward <laughs> and I bet on fucking Medieval Hitler. So now my I'm going to go straight to Dragon Hell unless I can rekindle this old code that the dragon like I don't know there's a very uh Yeah. Honestly, shit, how much of Skyrim was inspired by this fucking movie? All
1: of it. 100%. The
0: default the, the 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 cover outfit of the uh fucking uh Dovahkin or whatever the fucker yeah. his name is absolutely is a dragon hunter from this movie
1: oh i've seen the helmets that they wear in skyrim it's yeah. on the cover of the fucking game yeah no that's what uh, i'm saying All uh, well, they they're like one that dragon outfit. shout away from having skyrim in this movie yeah
0: like if if, if someone fussed Rodord instead of <laughs> yeah. shooting a fucking uh what, what do they call those uh scorp- the the big uh crossbow things uh ballista well yeah and, and if, if they had a fuss rotor instead of that you'd have been in skyrim yeah um but yeah they kind of have that like the dragons somehow redeemed like the nobility and humans came from dragons which is another kind of like a bullshit concept in my mind but you know what it's fantasy who cares yeah um sure all 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 things good in humanity came from outside sources why not why not Um, well, i was
1: wondering about the lore of the dragons in this universe because there's there's some shit going on here like dragons can speak english Sure. So I was, I was thinking up until dragons you know, gave humans the English <laughs> language, boy. I think they speak a form of English. <laughs> uh, so at some point, I was thinking, okay, well, maybe you know the the dragons mixed with the humans enough to where they picked up the language. It seems almost like we yeah. may have gotten our language from the dragons, potentially. Well, except for Sean Connery tries to pronounce his
0: name, and I think you're going to get a whole bunch of uh, Dovakin type growls and grunts and all that. And then he had a arm attack.
1: So we never get to but, yeah, I, but you also like humans have multiple languages, right, so like that's true, dragons might. Just be speaking oh, both both basic, yeah, yeah, know, yeah, and also dragon, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then they passed on to us. More likely, I think they learned our language because they had to look over us or, mm. or watch over us. Rather, that's a
0: really cool science fiction idea. Like, if dragons were essentially the humans in the role, and we we're like the dogs, and they we are yeah. just kind of like these cute things that they started raising for shits and g- giggles. And it's pretty close to that in this. Movie. They modified us because, like, the more intelligent we were, the uh, the the more charming they found this, and. That like eons pass and they have these talking monkeys and oh shit what do we do we better teach them how to behave and start wiping their own ass yeah. I mean that's kind of like a, a neat neat concept
1: and I'm I'm confused also because the movie I think implies that dragons live forever in this universe or at least at the yeah. very least Einan thinks that dragons live forever because right. when you know he's at the We go to the climax of the movie, he gets shot in the heart, he pulls it out, and he goes, oh, fuck, I'm immortal, I better save this dragon Mm -hmm. so I can stay immortal. Mm -hmm. He runs over to the dragon, and he's like, no, I don't kill him, I want him alive and safe. Safe for all of eternity. So, he, at the least, thinks that dragons live forever. Yeah. Where would he get that impression,
0: I I suppose? Um, His mother's dragon, but I guess that's the other thing, is the, the, the queen mother the dragon lore expert almost all of her scenes and stuff and lines were cut so i'm sure there's probably stuff where Great. they explain like what all this th- this that this means um yeah but they don't i, they, I don't know, they you... don't
1: explain the magic that links them until the right. very
0: end but i feel like that i the concept of these linked identities where one person feels the pain of the other and they're like their their lot li- yeah. their sensories are i feel like that's a well enough established fantasy concept that i've rolled with it it seemed to bother you a lot more than me Well,
1: it is. It's definitely a well-established concept, but usually the way that it works Uh is whatever happens to one also happens to the other. Not whatever happens to this one only happens to the other, because this guy gets shot straight through the heart with an arrow. Right. And the dragon falls from the sky, but he just pulls the arrow out, and he's totally fine. Sure. So whatever happens to him seems to only happen to the dragon. But it doesn't work in reverse. Whatever happens to the dragon happens to both of them. Well, he it, did, it doesn't though, because like be the dragon consistent. injured his
0: hand deliberately at one point so that Einan uh, would have to drop his crossbow or sword or whatever, dagger or whatever he's holding against uh, uh-huh. Dina's throat. So I think it does. It's just you don't see the, the dragon's not intentionally hurting himself off. He should have been doing it more often. Like He could have broke both have, of yeah. his legs at the beginning of the combat. But, but I don't
1: understand why he can just pull an arrow out of his heart and be
0: okay. Hmm. Well, also, does... does Einan have to be mortally like because I'm is this like a Harry Potter Horcrux situation where what if Drake what if Draco just kills himself mm-hmm. uh does that instantly kill
1: Ainen or is this Einan now mortal I assume it would instantly kill him because what happens at the end of this movie amounts to that yeah, but he had already taken massive mortal damage.
0: Like, he'd fallen for five stories, he'd gotten a uh, stab through, so like, what if that, right the, you know, his dragon heart... No that's longer... what I'm
1: saying, it doesn't seem to be a two-way street here, completely completely parallel. It seems like there's something that affects the dragon when mm-hmm. it happens to Ainan more than the other way around. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if that's intentional or just kind of and eh, whatever, on the part of the filmmakers. Because I
0: guess, yeah, if, 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 if at any time Draco could just have dot-killed himself, I mean, there's an argument that he should have had uh, Bowen just run him right through. But I guess the other thing is the dragon wanted to make sure humans was redeemed and he needed some leader like Bowen that mm. he could leave
1: and trust. That he did things... need to change the heart of, yeah. of, of Bowen at that point. Because yeah. it, it's amazing what it takes so to saying... change his heart. It How little it took to change the heart of Inan Right. Because it's hilarious to me that Ainen goes into that cave with his heart pierced and the dragon gives him half the heart. And as he's being fucking carted out on his, what would have been his deathbed, if not for this heart, he looks at the slaves and he's like, yeah, I think they should rebuild my fucking castle for me. Yes. (laughs) Like he, he has not even begun to recover yet. And he's already broken his oath. Yeah. And that's the thing. I, I
0: thought that that's another thing they misplayed. Like Bowen's rage against the dragons. They should have made the boy less of an obvious rotter like um that should have been a big reveal at the end of the movie was like you know when he's talking about the betrayal of the code he's like i never believed in your fucking code i wanted you to teach me how to fight and this is how i used you mm-hmm. but we fucking knew that because from the very beginning of the fucking movie this this boy prince was he's a he it's like it's like he's acting like like king like like prince joffrey and like uh Tyrion is trying to teach this kid like hey you, you you know a a a peaceful people and a prosperous kingdom. That's what you want. That's your goal. And this boy is like okay, okay, whatever. Um, but he's acting like Joffrey. And then when Joffrey becomes king and starts raping and murdering and pillaging, Tyrion to be like, you've betrayed my teachings. Like, what, dude, you're just fucking obtuse and oblivious. <laughs> and I I felt like they could have done is, that. Yeah. Maybe they need 15 more minutes where they show, like, that the. the I, I don't know. I, I think they could have just played the boy as if he was an unironic disciple of Bowen, and then it's just a genuine betrayal that Bowen yeah. doesn't find out until the end of the movie.
1: No, I, I think you're right. A couple, a couple, 10 more minutes on this movie in the beginning would go a long way toward selling that betrayal, that relationship between these two people. A, yeah. a lot of shit that just doesn't quite make the cut in this movie. Yeah.
0: Uh, I want to talk about some of the things that the movie struggles with because, well, let's talk praise. Special effects on the dragon, I thought, were of the era. It it yeah. did seem like basically Jurassic Park era technology. So it's it's mm-hmm. not... I don't think it's going... It's, we're still a few years away from like the Matrix and Lord of the Rings and Phantom Menace, but we, like in this era, this is kind of like state of the art. Um, but... What's incredible is if I, I think Jurassic Park holds up, but one of the most visually impressive scenes in the original movie when I first saw it was when, you know, uh, the, the character Grant sees the big Jurassic Park, like the big field of Brontosaurus, what, ap- 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 Apatosaurus, Diplocoticus. I don't know what what they fucking call Brontosaurus nowadays. The long necks, the veggiesauruses. Mm-hmm. And everything's kind of like in harmony, it's grandeur. I think that scene looks like shit. Because they're very obviously low-poly dinosaurs with poorly textured skin and bright fucking sunlight. And that's one of the hardest things to do. Mm -hmm. But it does – and unfortunately, Draco, in 90% of his movie, is a Jurassic Park dinosaur with wings Mm -hmm. that breathes fire that is in full fucking daylight. And it's it's a little rough. It's a little rough.
1: Yeah, a little rough, but not – not but they didn't fuck it up rough. they didn't like someone no i've seen worse i've seen much much worse
0: people gave a shit the people that are animating draco yeah. and by and large they to get a job what's our opinion about the 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 wrinkle in this movie seems to be that
1: dragons only breathe fire through their nose <laughs> okay like i mean if you got two glands <laughs> that kind of combine chemically to create fire which I, i'm not even sure that's how this dragon works uh-huh but a good place to separate those things is Left and right within nostril. two nostrils. Yeah, that's true. That's I feel true. like that's actually just sort of a natural evolution. So you take a rain of fire dragon yeah. physics into Dragonheart. Okay, yeah. How else would it work?
0: Because because I'm thinking like yeah, unless dragons evolved like a separate nasal and mouth passages. uh Well, of course, a lot of scientists say that actually be a good evolution because we. The only reason we fucking choke. Was you try to pass the life saving air through the same tube as we pass the life giving water and food? Now add fire to that. Yeah. What if you, what if you shot fire through your throat? Yeah, like who the fuck merges on the lane going to the lungs and the and the stomach? Man, separate those tubes. But yeah, maybe maybe dragons are uh, ahead of. Uh, I mean, obviously ahead of humans on evolutionary scale. <laughs> that's how evolution works. And yet we kick their ass. Yeah, endpoints. Evolution's working towards ever advancing endpoints. And no, that's not. Go back to school. It's true. Eventually, we'll all become dragons. Um. So, the uh, every almost everything
1: else is pretty lackluster. Like the Dennis Quaid's accent, the Dennis Quaid's accent, which is not an accent so much as it is an affected voice. Yes, like he seems to just put about two two dump trucks worth of gravel into his voice, but only in certain scenes. He sounds like Fozzy the Bear doing Batman. How do I know I can trust you?
0: I give you my walk.
1: The word of a dragon—it's worthless.
0: Waka waka. I mean, it's it's, it's, <laughs> it's really real weird, yeah. And it feels like it's not not not. It would be something that would strain your throat if you if you do it for very.
1: Long oh, for period. sure. But but he's not even trying to reproduce an English accent, as best I can tell. I think so. There's is where this thing gets kind of Costanarian, Is that I do think there's
0: times where he at the beginning of the scene thinks. Oh right! I have got a sword. I'm in mail. I should be doing some kind mm-hmm. of Shakespeare in the Park, and he yeah. starts like doing some of those uh, British r- uh, vowel sounds, and then like three sentences in, he's just back to back to work and old code, and
1: <laughs> yeah. Where again, Liam Neeson crushes that shit. I-, I mean, it's it's not it's not actually that hard to do a British accent, Mister uh, Quaid. All you have to do, really, to sell it. Is just change the way you say your R's, yeah, and and you're good. Because I struggle with this. I I have a hard time with the British accent. Just change the way you say your R's. How just do you don't, change it? Don't say R. What do you say? Uh, just say like ah ah. Yeah, just just r- roll. Let that let that R just kind of drift away a little Drag bit. and hot. But man, man, he leans into the R's as much as he leans into mm. the gravel. I I don't know. I he Motherfucking did fucking rolling his R's in here. <laughs> you could you could if you want to go north of Britain. Uh, All right, or or north of England. uh Yeah, I I don't know. I hated basically everything about the casting of Dennis Quaid. From he doesn't he doesn't strike me as this kind of knight. He doesn't do any kind of accent. He's a Han accent Solo, he does not an Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, yes, I agree with that. Also, I just have like Dennis Quaid is the most generic milk toast of '90s actors in the same way that Kevin Costner is milk toast of 90s actors and and Richard Gere they're in in my mind Hot 100% takes. interchangeable in any of their films you almost wouldn't even notice because they look so generic they sound so generic they act so generic you could take those takes put them in a reactor
0: and power a remote spacecraft with the heat coming That's off what of I'm those here takes for.
1: That's what I'm here for. The hottest of takes. Um, but am w- I wrong? Am I wrong? Don't they all just kind of have a similar face and affect and I would like you to challenge you to name like put- three Richard Gere movies. Uh there's that one with the Julia Roberts. Uh huh. Yeah, the Julia uh, Roberts one. That yep. other one with Julia Roberts and that other one with Julia Roberts, right? <laughs> I don't think he was in that many movies with Julia yeah, Roberts. Yeah, he did. He that's all he does with Julia Roberts movies. Uh,
0: here here's something. Yeah. Look at the first any of the peasant battle scenes, actually. But the one in particular is like, look at what is going on in the background. They're literally guys just running in circles, trying to find extras to fight with, not finding. Oh, maybe I'll run and get the. Oh, no, this guy. Oh, I fucking lost in tall weeds out there. And it's so funny because you combine that with like, look at all the different implements they're using. Like, there's several times where like, there are people are simulating peasant life, and this mm-hmm. guy's got this like carefully constructed medieval psi that probably was signed off by some British fucking historian. And he is like waving in the air like he's trying to flag down a helicopter. Uh, there's people that have like, okay, fine. Some peasants all they got is ten foot long sharpened sticks. Fine, you can you can dehorse a. A horse. You can dehorse a knight with that kind of thing. But some of them have like forks at forty-five degrees, sharpened stick. I'm like, what the fuck are you going to do with Get that? Two horses. Roast weenies. Two G- horses. Giant. G- two horses.
1: Yeah. Sit so it down right between a couple you of giant horses. Better one horse. B- you know pike
0: in two and wait until that you know thousand it. pounds of horse and metal hits that 45 degree <laughs> wooden arc man it's going to support that weight like a champ <laughs>
1: it's uh it's questionable the tag all the time ta- all, of- all of the fighting is bad like the even the main fighting the stuff that is meant to be focused on is laughable look at king inund's
0: hall which i think they used a real dilapidated castle to film inside okay but they rope everything that's unsightly which is a, uh, with these these the shittiest looking red velvet curtains that look Uh, like they're hung from enormous walmart style curtain rods (laughs) over vast sections of the of of the set and they're not hung straight it's just like they ran out of budget the the b unit just didn't give a fuck I'm, i'm not sure what exactly happened but it's kind of fucking hilarious building up to the most absurd set of all time Which I lovingly refer to as Bone Hinge. (laughs) They go to, I think, where King Arthur's castle, Camelot, should have been. Yeah, Avalon, sure. And they are on this thing, and there's this ring of towers that look exactly like circumcised penises Mm -hmm. of various sizes. And, of course, Arthur's is the biggest one, and it starts animating (laughs) and talking. (laughs) Right. Giving the code of the bone (laughs)
1: <laughs> it is the bone it is code truly ridiculous the old looking.
0: bone code like man i i feel like who submitted this sketch who looked that at it and said yep i'm gonna build a model for approval who signed off on that model and then who actually built it without ac- anyone actually saying maybe they did maybe they said like are you are you sure you want to make this a big <laughs> monument to the male phallus and he's like yeah i need my pigs i need my i need my bone hinge <laughs> this movie falls apart without those those facets man and they're like, all right. I mean, I, I thought I understood movie-making movie, movie making Rob Cohen, but, you know, you directed Triple X in The Fast and the Furious, so... Oh, did he? Yes, he did. Wow. Yes, he did. So there you go. You gave that man a medieval, gentle medieval fantasy hero's tale, and he fucking threw Vin Diesel into it. <laughs>
1: The, the the other thing that we forgot to talk about when we were talking about the tongue ride scene. Yeah. Uh, during the live watch, you questioned, when the hell did we lose uh, Gilbert, the brother Gilbert? Because at some point. Yeah. Brother Gilbert just, just falls gets off bored. the map and yeah. then just shows back up in that pig He scene. is behind a berm composing a
0: sonnet late at night to yeah. how long this uh the the this this battle between the
1: night and him is going to last then he disappears until he comes back so at here's the pig what farm. here's what's happening i cuz i watched this again so he at the end of that scene after he's composed his sonnet or yeah. maybe he's like halfway through mm-hmm. he turns to the camera and he yawns and he falls asleep and he falls asleep and he misses everything and of course and so the negotiation is still happening right and then like they come to this agreement and <laughs> and apparently when they come to the agreement the the dragon and bowen mm. they just take off and leave gilbert there right which i guess tracks, that through tracks the movie because bowen, bowen doesn't want him there
0: yeah bowen's kind of like yeah just get, get the fuck away almost the entire so okay that so, makes so sense. they just
1: leave him sleeping in a field and eventually he wakes up and they do play that back in the movie like when he comes back to the pigs he says i saw him kill almost two dragons yeah yeah, yeah. i didn't actually see the death blow but i assume okay on that second one so I feel like it tracks. It was just kind of funny that they leave that character asleep behind a rock in a field as the other characters go off and have a big adventure. And then the other guy instantly comes back and vouches for,
0: you know. Uh-huh. But I guess like the guy did kill a dragon. Like, I wish I'd seen how he killed the dragon because it's hard for me to believe that an yeah. unarmed man. Well, not an unarmed an man, but a man. man with a sword and a shield can defeat a dragon i've always had a problem with that in medieval literature yeah. it's like they just do but like what amount of martial skill with a blade would allow you to take down like a tyrannosaurus with fire and wings there's there's no way you give me the the most divine you give me a fucking lightsaber uh-huh. i might
1: be able to kill the t-rex but he's absolutely going to take me with him yeah yeah i mean the fact that this thing could shoot fire is yes is, that's yeah immediate death for any human who would challenge it like unless you've invented medieval asbestos yeah uh and you can you can hang
0: with that then i don't yeah and and that's just that's just a range threat they've got that fucking club spike tail they got you know dagger. like i said it's a t-rex to breathe fire and flies what are you gonna do uh with a spear with an alien spear tail uh before we close we have frequently remarked uh, about the importance of Dino De Laurentiis to his fantasy film and science and, fiction film. And this film.
1: Super Serious Film Fest, too. It's been... Like, four out of the least, six movies, yeah. he's
0: bankrolled. And I thought we'd finally gotten out of the De Laurentiis era. His daughter, Raffaella De Laurentis, finances fucking film. Amazing. And uh, Call the Conqueror and Dune. And I'm thinking that, like... Every nerd worth their salt, if, the, if, if, if to the extent they have a shrine to George Lucas and Gene Roddenberry and J.R. Tolkien, someone ought to light a candle to the De Laurentiis family, yeah. because these fuckers were pl- plowing major bank into these fantasy films when nobody else is making them. And regardless of their success or failure, how cheesy or my, they were just like I, what I think is this De Laurentiis guy got a bunch of money. I made a bunch of money making well-regarded conventional safe pictures that got nominated for Oscars and shit. And once he had his bankroll secure and he was unbustable, he's like, "Yeah, I want to start making swords, sandals, and titty flicks." Yeah. And his daughter's like, "Uh, uh, "Well, thanks for teaching me the ways. I don't know about the titties, but I, I, I (laughs) I too am an unironic fan of swords and sandals. I'm going to keep this thing going. It's incredible how much of '80s and '90s and '70s, '80s, '90s geek." culture especially on the fantasy front uh, comes from from this this one family they're like what the broccoli film is to British spies mm-hmm. these are to Conan the barbarian and dragons so give it up to the De Laurentiis family thank you for making these films I wish you'd push back on the pigs harder I <laughs> yeah. wish you would I yeah. wish you would push for Liam Neeson a little bit harder because uh, then uh, we'd be we'd probably have uh, probably reviewed this as a commission podcast by now Uh, Anything else, Jim? No, that's it. All right. See you for the next one.